You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Hot Topics in Allergy, presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Your host is Dr. Katen Sheff, Medical Director of the Lafayette Allergy and Asthma Clinic in Lafayette, Indiana. What do allergists and other physicians need to know about healthcare advocacy starting at a local level? Joining us to discuss politics and policy beginning with the community is Dr. Alan Meadows, clinical instructor, Montgomery Internal Medicine Residency at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Welcome, Dr. Meadows. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I've been a listener to ReachMD for a number of years and a regional XM subscriber. Well, let's start with what policies are most important for allergists to be aware of? Well, I think the most important policy for all of us as physicians, whether we're allergists or in primary care or regardless of specialty, is the SGR issue. And for the listeners that don't know, SGR stands for Sustainable Growth Rate, and that's a formula that Medicare has that gives a cost of living increase to the various areas of health care. Unfortunately, the formula is flawed, and it cuts physicians' fees by an average of 4 to 6% a year. And that was something that was really in the news back in July, and will be coming to us again January 1, 2010. What do we need to be concerned about, or how should we get involved with the SGR issue? Well, what we need to be concerned about is that physicians' fees for Medicare are going to be cut 20%. And while that may not be a big deal to many physicians who may be listening, it's a big deal to our patients because as more and more physicians refuse to see patients with Medicare, they have less access to care. And there are a number of ways to get involved. The best way to get involved with that issue is to know your congressman and encourage your patients to know your congressman. I have a number of patients that are complaining in my community about access to care. We have very few primary care physicians who are accepting new Medicare patients very few that are accepting patients at all. And what I do is I encourage my patients to write their congressman, to call their congressman, and to be in touch with their senators and to tell them that they need to have access to care. I, for a number of years, have been traveling to Washington, D.C. two or three times a year. I make political contributions to the candidates when I can, and these people know who I am. And so when the debate was going hot and heavy on Capitol Hill in July, and it was very hard to get in touch with your congressman or your representative. I had the email addresses of people in their offices I was on a first-name basis with and had a relationship with them and was able to have an impact. And quite frankly, the whole reason that the bill passed was because of contact not only from physicians but from our patients and because of a grassroots effort mobilized by the AMA. The initial vote which would have allowed the 14% cut to go through, was later reversed. And it was because of physicians like me and you talking to our patients, explaining to them what the issues were, educating them, and then allowing them to contact their congressman. And when we were talking about this, the issue is not so much the reimbursement. The issue is access to care. An increasing number of patients, at least here in Alabama, are having a hard time finding physicians of any specialty to accept them. Some of our listeners may be thinking, okay, I want to get involved, but do they need to start on a local or state level, or can they start regionally, or can they go right to try to getting involved nationally? How have you progressed, and what's the lesson in that for some of our listeners? Well, the biggest lesson, I'll go back and quote a famous Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, all politics is local. And I got started with my state medical association. I was a member of my county medical association. I became an officer in my county medical association. And part of my involvement with that, our state medical association sent a group of representatives to Washington 
every year, and I was asked to represent my county association some 15 years ago. Later on, my local allergy association, the state medical association, began sponsoring my trip, and so they'll pay my airfare and a couple of nights in the hotel, but it did get involved on a local basis. I mean, one of my very first times was volunteering with our state medical association to go down to the state house and do spirometry on members of the state legislature. And while we were there, I think the issue at the time, and this was a number of years ago, but was whether or not insurance companies were going to continue to pay for procedures done by physicians. And while I was interpreting the spirometry for these lawmakers, I would point out to them in certain states, the insurance companies limit the number of these tests that can be done per year and that the National Institute of Health guidelines says that spirometry should be done at every visit. And as a result of that, we got laws passed in Alabama that prohibited insurance companies from limiting access to tests such as that. Well, one of the things that I want to discuss were local health fairs. And certainly it sounds like you did a local health fair for the local politicians. But what about local health fairs in other ways? Are they a good idea? Do they help with all of uh, these local things? Local health fairs are wonderful in terms of increasing awareness in the community of specific disease states. You know, doing a local health fair just on your own as a physician can sometimes be daunting and overwhelming. But if you'll be aware of what's going on in your community, there are a number of opportunities, even in my relatively small community. At least once a year, there's a group called Helping Hands that ask physicians to do various types of screening on a free basis. And those of us who are allergists and members of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, there's a national asthma screening program that's done. You can sign up for a kit. And as for someone who's done it personally, it's really quite easy. You just need to get one of the members of the organization in your community to kind of take the bulls by the horn and find a, a location to set up, and then everyone come in and volunteer. But it's a great way to raise awareness of disease and a great way to make your name known in the community and to let patients know what allergists and asthma specialists can do. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Caton Sheth, and joining me to discuss politics and policy, beginning with the community, is Dr. Alan Meadows, clinical instructor, Montgomery Internal Medicine Residency at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Well, let's come back a little bit to some of these health fairs, and certainly you can diagnose it, but are there other benefits for providers and for the public of trying to get more of these community-based health fairs out there? Well, certainly in the area of asthma, and that's certainly where we're experts, you can help someone make a diagnosis of asthma. We both know that we see patients who come in almost on a daily basis who describe having chest colds two or three times a year, and they can come into a health fair, have a spirometry done, take an asthma control test, and get a reasonably good diagnosis of asthma, at least certain enough to make a referral to a specialist. Those are the types of things that are valuable. The other things that you can do is just agree to give talks in the community. I mean, there's been a, a lot of disconnect between physicians and community groups and politicians, and it's gotten to be kind of an us-against-them type of battle. It really doesn't have to be that way. A lot of us, when we're giving talks and stuff, there's always the look for the honorarium. But I think that we need to be less selfish about that and be willing to give talks to whatever groups ask us to. One of my favorite groups to give talks to are the school nurses. And there's a school nurses association probably in every major city, and they need continuing education units just like we as physicians need CME. And I can tell you that's a group that's very, very appreciative. And they're the ones that are there on the front line when they've got a child there coughing and wheezing, and their physician has prescribed you know, albuterol and no controller inhaler. They're the ones that can recognize someone that may need additional treatments. 
Are there certain ones, diseases, that you think we need to spend more time advocating? I don't know that you're coming as an allergist and we talk about asthma, but you're involved nationally on this. Are there certain diseases that we need to step up on in terms of advocacy for? Well, I certainly think we can continue to step up our advocacy with asthma. Certainly, Nancy Sander with AMNA does a wonderful job every year in Washington lobbying. She was very responsible for getting the, the laws passed that allowed children to carry inhalers with them in school. And there are currently bills that are being proposed for asthma that we can advocate for. Those bills have been on a back burner for the last year or two, but certainly those are some that we can advocate for that specifically provide increased federal funds for training physicians. I mean, one of the things that I found you know, most alarming that when you explain it to a patient, they find alarming as well, that the funding for training asthma and allergy specialists is diminishing. And the number of allergy and asthma specialists like the two of us is decreasing in a time when the demand is increasing. And for whatever reason, we're seeing an increased rate of asthma and we're seeing an increased risk of nasal allergies. And the first gut instinct a lot of people in the public have, they must say, well, this must be due to pollution. But in fact, if we look at pollution in the air compared to the mid-1970s, we've done a very good job and there's less pollution in the air now than there was before. Yet the rates of asthma and allergy continue to rise. But what I find most interesting is, is that we see the same parallel rise in eczema, the third allergic illness caused by the allergy genes. And if it was something that we were inhaling, why would you think that the rates of eczema would increase as well? And so I I think that there's a basic shift in the genetics of the population, and I agree with some of the stuff I heard Dr. Andy Liu say in a number of places, that it's probably the healthy Western living that's causing this. And I know that's not the topic of what's going on, but what's alarming to me is, is that in a day and a time where we're seeing a documented increase in illnesses caused by these genes... And we have documented evidence that allergy and asthma specialists treat these illness better. We're seeing a decreased number of these physicians and a decrease in funding for these. And that goes into the issue of graduate medical education, but that's an area where we as physicians can talk to our elected officials about, but also our patients who are looking to have the next generation of allergy and asthma specialists available to treat us. I think one of the interesting points you make or tie together really is that we're doing these local fairs. We're perhaps getting more your state legislatures diagnosed with asthma or more correctly, you know, kids who have been undiagnosed or underdiagnosed, we're getting them diagnosed with asthma. And then tying that with the national organizations like Nancy Sanders' organization where it's advocating overall for kids carrying inhaler. So what I heard in that answer very nicely was a tie between what we do locally and what we do nationally. Where I want to go with this question is, what are some of the other national organizations? Without grassroots support, nothing that anybody in a national organization is going to do is going to help us very much. And certainly, you know, our allergy specialty societies are taking an increasing role in advocacy on Capitol Hill. Beginning about four or five years ago, the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology began an annual meeting in Washington, D.C. to talk about graduate medical education illness, to talk about SGR, to talk about access to asthma care. The Joint Council of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology has been doing this for well more than a decade. And in fact, we're all meeting together in Washington, D.C. with the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Their annual meeting this year happens to be in the spring in Washington, D.C., and we're having a very focused effort there where a number of us are going to be able to go to Capitol Hill and talk to our legislators. And 
And I hear you saying, you know, you need to start on a local level and work up. And I'm reminded of what one of the national talk show hosts has said before. You know, he'll say, take the weekend off. I'll pay attention to the news. Come back on Monday. I'll tell you what the news is and what you think about it. Well, well, quite honestly, when we go up to Washington, D.C., we hire professional lobbyists who come in, explain to us, in English what the issues are and explain to us what the various positions on these issues might be. Now, they don't literally tell us what we think about it, but in fact, they tell us what other physicians like us think about it, that some physicians may see this as opinion, some physicians may see this as an opinion, this is what you know the AMA is campaigning for. And then when all of us from various state and local groups come up to the Hill in Washington, D.C., and we all come forward with the same message, then we're likely to get a response, as we did in July on the issue with the Medicare fee cuts, because even though Congress initially voted to let that cut go through because of what they heard from physicians and what they heard, more importantly, from their Medicare constituents, made a number of them change their mind. Let's come back to getting involved, because obviously that's at the root of any of this community involvement Give our listeners some advice as to how they can get involved. Some of them may be allergists, others may be primary care, a variety of different people. How can they get involved to make a difference in the diseases that they take care of? Well, in terms of getting involved politically and making a difference, obviously making a difference with the diseases, you know, you can keep up with the medical literature and, and treat your patients properly. But in terms of having a bigger or broader impact, I'm reminded of the executive director of our state medical association said, the uh, medical association of the state of Alabama, Massa, Kerry Coleman, told me one time, he said, Alan, he said, organizations are run by those who show up. And it's really not harder than that. It's not harder than just showing up. I became involved and became someone who knows the top health aides of senators on a first-name basis. I became involved because I showed up for my county medical association meetings regularly. I showed an interest. When my county medical association had a project to reach out to our local community leaders, which was at that point called the mini-internship, where we would have community leaders spend a half a day with four different doctors, I volunteered to participate. I soon after that found myself chairman of that program, and soon after that found myself one of the youngest president-elects of our county medical association ever. I know it sounds very simple, but, you know, I personally got involved because I showed up. Well, I'd like to thank my guest from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Dr. Alan Meadows. Dr. Meadows, thank you for being our guest this week on Hot Topics in Allergy. Thank you very much. It was just an absolute pleasure to participate in this today. You've been listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on ReachMD XM160. This show has been presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. For more information on the ACAAI, please visit ACAAI.org. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening.